Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. It's good to be in the house of God this morning. And uh, we are in a, a series um, on hopeology, the study of hope. And um, how many of you know that that's something that we need to study? That's something that we need to become very well versed with is hope, right? Especially as we live in a world that is contingent, the pendulum swings from hope to hopelessness real quick, right? I mean, would you agree that hope can, can, can move from one situation to another real quick? And uh, we live in a world and a society where hope is, is kind of like it's contingent on circumstances and situations. And uh, I want to help. How many of you know that your, your hope is, is as strong as your theology? That if you have a wrong theology of hope, you will oftentimes live hopeless. And, but when you have a strong theology of hope, then you are able to live out your life the way that God is calling you to live out, even when things are not great. How many of y'all know life is not always great, right? I mean, last week, the hogs were getting destroyed. This week, the hogs are winning, right? Okay, I thought, wow, we don't have any hog fans in here, okay? Right? Like, it's like one week is one thing. The next week is, you know, we went from, like, hogs are going to be, like, they're going to go undefeated this year. We lose three games in a row, and everybody lost all their hope in the hogs, right? And then we win last night, we're like, maybe we can win six more games, right? Like that's how quick we can lose or gain hope, right? Like it is so easy when it is in a natural setting that we can lose hope. When if you're, you know, and, and so I, I wanna break something down to you this morning. Um, it's found in First Peter chapter one. I'm gonna read verses three through six, and then I'm gonna read verses th- 13 and 14. Uh, I'm not going to read 13 and 14 now. As we get into the text, I'll read it. So if you've got your Bibles with, with you, you can, you can open it up there, highlight that, and in your phone or your, 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 you know, whatever you're using, you can highlight it, and go back this week and just reference it and study it and read it and see what Holy Spirit reveals to you about hope because there's some really powerful things in this. I'm going to be reading this morning out of the N.T. Wright translation. I love how he, he's a theologian, uh, one that's living, and he's, he's extremely well-versed in the Greek and the Hebrew. And I love how he made this, he made this uh, translation, translation called the Kingdom Translation. And I've really enjoyed reading it. And I wanted to read the scriptures this morning out of it. And it says this in 1 Peter 3, chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, May God be blessed, God the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. His mercy is abundant. And so he has become our father in a second birth into a living hope through the resurrection from the dead of Jesus, the Messiah. This has brought us into an incorruptible inheritance. I always mess that up every time I say it. A lot of tongue tying right there. Which nothing can stain or diminish. At the moment, it is kept safe for you in the heavens. While you are being kept safe by God's power through faith, for a rescue that is all ready and waiting to be revealed in the final time. That is why you celebrate. That's why we celebrate. Yes, it may well be necessary that for a while you may have to suffer trials and tests of all sorts. But this is so that the true value of your faith may be discovered. It is worth more than gold, which is tested by fire even though 
it can be destroyed. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for this text. God, we thank you that it is alive and it is active, God, that it is convincing us, God, that we have something so much more real than we may realize, God, that it is so much more alive than it may seem. Father, that we have a hope on the inside of us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God, that allows us to live differently in this world, regardless of what we may face, God. I thank you this morning, God, that as we live out, Lord, as we, as we gain access to a new revelation of hope, God, that you would allow us to live out our lives to make you more famous today than you were yesterday. If you believe that, you can say amen with me. And, uh, you know, living hope, and that's where I want to hang out for just a moment. Uh, I don't know about you, but how many roller coaster fans do we have in the house this morning? If you could go sign up for a roller coaster today, you'd be like, it doesn't matter if it flips me upside down, if it throws me into the dark and I don't know where I'm going. How many of y'all, we got roller coaster fans in here? Yes? Okay, how many of y'all are like, absolutely not even for a million dollars? Okay, and then how many of y'all, we got some that are like, I mean, I would do it if one of my friends went, I'd, I'd ride one. Okay, cool. So we've got all spectrums of roller coasters. And, and right, like we love the thrill of, what's funny is all of you that raised your hand in the beginning, like I love roller coasters, the pictures don't verify that. The, the pictures show you're terrified as you're going through, you're like, <laughs> you know, you're all kinds of crazy looking, right? Like roller coasters, I think that when I think of roller coasters, I love the anticipation of what I'm not, like I don't know what's going to happen. And sometimes we, we cling to that same concept in our lives, serving Jesus and our faith and our hope. And our hope becomes so connected to things that are, they have the capacity to take us up in one moment and then crashing down the next, right? And, and while we may enjoy roller coasters as a ride, a roller coaster life through having hope in one thing and then hope in another is really tragic. And we, I think we could all say that at some point in our lives, maybe currently in our lives, we are going through a roller coaster moment in our lives with hope. It's like, oh man, I think God's going to take care of me. Nope, he's going to let me down. Oh, I think this is going to help me. Nope, it crashes. Oh, yep, it helped me. Oh, not like I thought it would. Boom. And right, and we begin to live our lives based on the benefits or how easy our life is, right? And how, how easy we can get through life determines the hope that we can have in something. If I can just get through life, and if I can get through this season of my life, and I don't have to deal with certain things, then I'm going to be, just be okay. And here, Peter, he really begins to break this down. Now, I want to hang out on, on this one passage, part of the passage. And he says, and so he has become our father in a second birth into a living hope. So this thing that, that, that Paul is, or Peter is describing, he's talking about it's a living thing. This is, the hope that you and I have is not in something that is dead and gone away with. It is not something that we have to drag around because it's a weight. It is something that actively allows us to move and navigate through life because it's living, it helps us move. It helps us be able to get through the life and, and through the trials that we have. He kind of buttons this all up in verse 7 with trials, that you may have to go through trials. How many of y'all know, like, that's the part about life that we hate? Like, when you've got to go through trials, when you go through certain situations, when you go through circumstances, like, that's where it really becomes a challenge. And here, what I, I want us to see here is that he calls this a living hope. Why? Why does he use this terminology? It's because it's living. And sometimes our hope 
is oftentimes connected to something that's not. That is what oftentimes creates this roller coaster type of life as a believer. It's like we're good and then we're not. I got all my bills paid. I'm not. My kids are loving Jesus. Now they're not. My marriage is great. Now they're not. This relationship is good. Now it's not. Right? And so it becomes, it becomes contingent on what's alive in your life. It becomes contingent on what is working out for you in that moment. And Peter is trying to help us out to let us know, look, if you're going to live a successful life as a believer, you got to know that your life cannot be connected to anything that has the capacity to be able to die. He calls it a living hope. And here's this first thing that I want to kind of settle with. I want to kind of bring this big point together is this, is that hope dies when it's based on some things that can perish. When, when, when our hope is in things that can perish, guess what happens? Our, our hope goes with it. If our hope is in, is in things that can perish, oftentimes we're great until that thing can't sustain us anymore. We're great until that relationship severs. We're great until our finances aren't at the place that we want. We're great as long as our, our spouse is doing this. We're great as long as we can, you know, see the success train and that we're going to achieve it, right? And here Peter is trying to sober us up to the reality that there are going to be times where you're not going to be able to have hope in anything else than Jesus and it is the sustainer. It is the only thing that will get you through life, right? Like hope remains alive only at the level of what can keep it active, when your hope is outside of Jesus, it, the only hope that it stays alive is this, was if it can stay alive, if it can survive. You know, when we, you think about COVID, I feel like COVID was a blessing for the church at large, the big church. Because what it did is it exposed a lot of things we had hope in that we shouldn't have had hope in. It exposed things that while like everybody, the economy is great and this president and, and, and these relationships and I'm healthy and all of these things, right? All of this stuff was great until you pull that thing that was alive and keeping us sustained is removed. Then we find out I've been having my hope in something other than him. I mean, for a lot of us, we had a hope in a presidency and in, and in politics. Guess what happened in 2020? Either way. Like, either way you stood, like, politics really, it pulled the plug on a lot of things, right? And a lot of times it's not until we go through certain situations that that hope is exposed. And that we, like, oh, man, I got hope in Jesus. A lot of us before the service this morning, you said, I got hope in Jesus. But it's, if you pull this thing out of your life, do you still have hope? Because a lot of times it's like, God is a secondary or a third type of level of hope. It's like as long as my finances are here, as long as my relationships are here, as long as my kids are healthy here. Like hope, the hope that Peter is talking about is not contingent on anything else that is surviving in your life. That's why he calls it a living hope. This living hope is only through. You got to see what he says here. He goes on after he calls it a living hope, he says through in other words, through. In other words, you can't have this unless you understand this. Okay? He says, living hope through the resurrection from the dead of Jesus, the Messiah. You and I, our ultimate hope has to land on the fact that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. It has to. If it doesn't, 
you will live a roller coaster life where hope is this and hope is that. And then when I'm really, really bad, I'll run to Jesus because I know he's alive. No, what we have to do is we have to learn theologically to land on the fact that Jesus is alive and things may die in my life and I'm still going to pursue it because my eternity is grasped in the hands of Jesus. Right? It's in those moments that we realize, wow, I've been putting, you know, I've done a lot of funerals. And, and I've, I've been around a lot of people, they think that they're living, they think that they're living right, or they think that they've been having their hope in Jesus, but when people are standing before a casket and, and having to process what it is to have to lose a loved one, right, it's in those moments that those people that come in, they realize in that moment, I've been putting my hope in a lot of other things. Eternity really awakens you to what your hope is in. And, and that's, that's why it's because when things, sometimes we need things in our lives to perish. Sometimes we need a COVID scenario to help us pull us out and say, hey, you've been putting your hope in your economy. You've been putting your hope in your political views. You've been putting your hope in your health. And our hope has to settle. It has to land on the fact that Jesus died for you individually. And that is where I get my hope. And I know that that is like, it, it's so hard as I'm preaching this, even for me, it is hard that while you're living in the natural to think about eternal, like to think about, well, I need to take care of my wife and I need to take care of my kids and I need a, a good job and I need finances and I need these things. It is very easy in these moments to make Jesus and eternity a peripheral issue. And it has to be, the reality is, is that we've got to take the peripheral thing and move it to the front and that become the very thing that we focus on. That I move, I'm able to take my steps, I'm able to get through life because of what Jesus did for me eternally. So when things are not good, I can keep walking. It may be a tough, slow, uphill walk, but I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to get through it, right? And see, hope holds us firm to the reality that there is more that comes from God than anywhere else. Look, I know that the world is built and structured to give you false hope. The world is bent to be able to give you something to keep you occupied for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year, for two years. Everything in this world that hope it offers, it's temporary, right? But we cling to those things that are temporary because they are so easily accessible, right? And it's in those moments that we realize, wow, what I've been clinging to is not actually sustaining me. It's like a life raft that looks like it can hold you and you go to swim to it and you just start sinking. It can't hold you. But the world is built on, let me tell you what kind of a car you can have from this, whatever. Let me see what you can do here. Let me see what you can do here. And we build our lives off of things that this world can offer us. And Peter's trying to, he's trying to recalibrate our hearts and our minds and saying, look, you have a living hope and you're trusting in things that cannot hold you up. You are trusting in things. If I can just get this, if I can get this, instead of the reality is that here's the point is that when you understand that you serve a God that is eternal, right? You can actually put your hope in certain things now because you know what Jesus did. Now, if it goes outside of that, you're putting your faith and hope in something that doesn't have the capacity to hold you. But there is no greater resource center than the hope of Jesus. That's why, that's why we go into the nations and we preach the gospel because it is the greatest hope. Everybody can get everything except for through, through Jesus is the only place you can get hope. Through Jesus is the only place that you can get an eternal 
an eternal perspective on, I, even when I die, I step into an eternal place with the Father. And like a lot of times that doesn't matter, right? When we're living our life, that's why I'm saying we make it a peripheral issue. Instead of, if you think about when you live your life eternally, all the decisions that you make go filtered through that lens. Like, if I had peripheral lenses right now, that really wouldn't matter because I need to see up front of me, especially y'all when I'm driving, y'all need me to see in front of me, right? Not beside me. Like, I've never seen peripheral glasses. I mean, that'd be weird if I had like a lens over here. The reality is, is peripheral doesn't matter. It's about where we're moving. But living hope, it keeps us focused on where God is calling us to. So many times we cling to hope this, I hope this will just take my anxiety away. I hope this will, will take the depression away. I hope this will, and we put our hope in so many things. And the reality is, is if you don't have a living hope, something that's alive and it's active and that can speak to you and talk to you and walk you off the ledge when you are thinking some crazy things, like that living hope is the one that actually walks beside you like we talked about in Psalm 23. He is the shepherd that leads you through. Why? Because he's alive. He understands what you're going through. Isn't that an amazing thing, right? Hope is not based on the time or effort that you, the, the amount of time. See, sometimes we think, what can I do to accomplish this? What can I do? We have a lot of hope in ourselves, right? It's all about what, what I can do. And we have this time of, well, I'm really talented. Or I, have a lot of, I have a lot of, you know, willpower. I can muster through this. Your hope can't be in the time and the effort and the things that you can accomplish. It has to be in the faithfulness of God. My hope is in the fact that, again, like we talked about a little bit last week, those, those disciples for a moment lost hope. They lost hope. They said, you know what, I've been following this guy. He told me he was the Messiah. And I think that there are always those, those pivotal moments in our lives where we lose hope. We tend to lose hope and forget. He sat in a grave in a tomb for three days. And there are moments in our lives where God is really silent. And we feel like he's nowhere. It's like a brass heaven when I pray. It's like a lead, you know, it's just like I just can't get anywhere with God, right? It's in those moments is when we want to quit. It's when we want to give up and say, you know what? This isn't, this is not, it's not what I, I thought it would be. But on the third day when those men went to the tomb and he was not in the tomb, their hope was reignited. Why? Because of their perspective. Oh my gosh, he is who he says he is. And I think while you're in these dark seasons in your life, it is easy to get caught up on who Jesus isn't. The fact, oh, he's not faithful. All of a sudden, when you were reminded, nope, Jesus came through. So I can trust in him. God is going to get me through this season. And I'm here to tell you today that if you will put your hope in Jesus in real ways, that he will see you through the season that you're in. You may be in a lonely season, you may, in a, you may be in a depressed season, you may be in a great season. But regardless of what season you're in, your hope needs to be in the living hope. The, G, the, 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 the reality that Jesus is way more for you than the world is against you. You know, it's something, oh, I'll just keep going for a moment. But, but external hopes will always be a temporary fix to an internal lack of, of, of a greater need. Why do we fall privy to external hopes? Because they are the ones that are the quickest, to, quick, we, we can access those the quickest, right? I mean, you can literally go to the, the, to the liquor store and immediately get some hope. 
You can immediately go to, to a relationship and get hope. So we tend to go to these things that we can get hope to super quick. The problem is they don't fix an internal issue. They only fix an external. And here Jesus, Peter's trying to let us know, look, if you will lean into this internal hope, you won't need external things. You won't need these types of things. And your life will move in the, at, at the pace and the, the way that Jesus wants it to. See, until your eternal hope is settled, and I think that's something to land on for a moment. Because it's easy to say, man, I have hope in God. I have hope. You have hope oftentimes up to the level of the situation, the circumstance you walk through. Right? What you do not know, you do not know, right? And I think until we really have an eternal hope that is settled, what does settled mean? That means it doesn't move. It means you, like, you set it in the ground and you come back no matter when a rainstorm comes or when waves happen or when winds blow, you come back and that thing is always there. That's how you know your hope is settled in him. When situations come, circumstances come, situations aren't, fa- they're not in your favor, it's still there. That's what allows us to be able to continue to navigate through life is when it's settled because you will look to outside Jesus to find it when it's not settled in you. You were like, Jesus is good for eternity, but that's a long ways from now. I need some hope right now. Right? Isn't that how we process? But the reality is, is that Jesus that is far off has the same capacity to be close now. And I think that when we think that we have hope, that that's, that means that we're void of trials, that we're void of pain, that we're void of loss, and we're void of certain things, right? That's how we we tend to, to view hope, that it eliminates something instead of the fact that hope provides something, right? Hope is providing something while we're going through the pain, while we're going through the trial, while we're going through the circumstance. It provides it. See, we have a living hope because death cannot take it away. Think about that, that no matter, I mean, we consider that the worst thing, right? Like, that's the worst thing. And death could not take Jesus away from us. He could not, it could not be stripped. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. See, what happens when, when living hope isn't real, a reality in our, in our lives, then we grab a hold of a false hope. Because you got two options, living or false. Either he is a living hope or, he is a, or, or we are connected and we're allowing something that is fraudulent to lead our lives something that is fake something that can't can't hold up to the expectations and then what happens when it's a false hope we cling to the next thing and then we cling to the next thing but all we're really looking for is something that can help sustain us and be consistent and that all is going to take that's the journey of our lives that's the journey of our faith walk right it is learning to trust in Jesus when we go through various trials and tribulations. I mean, the Bible says, count it all joy. I love the word that he uses. Count it all joy as you go through various trials and tribulations, for it is the building of your faith. Right? So here's here's the deal. Like when you think about hope, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that faith is the substance of things, say it with me, hoped for. It's hoped for, right? So if you have this desire to have a nice, warm, fluffy loaf of bread, right? 
Like you can, that is like the faith, like the epitome of faith is I want, this is what I believe. But if you don't add flour to the ingredients, you're never going to have the loaf of bread. It doesn't matter how much faith you think you want, how much of a, 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 a size of a loaf of bread, you have to add the ingredient of hope into it to get the byproduct of faith of the loaf of bread, right? And it's in us as we apply, hope is the substance. It is the very ingredient you need to have the faith that you want. Right? We want our faith to increase. When we say, like, I want to get into a situation when someone says something about God, I don't doubt him. It starts with the ingredient, hope. You will not have faith at a level any greater than you do hope. And what we do is we want, we want million-dollar faith, right, on two-dollar hope we want we want this for that and the reality is as my level of faith increases as my level of understanding of who jesus is as my living hope increases those two are directly connected so what am i getting at i'm getting at some of you could have another level of faith if you would get another level of hope if you would get a deeper revelation of who jesus is and what he is for you you would be able to trust and say no god is for me as I'm going through this, I know that God is for me, so I'm not going to allow the trial to be more triumphant than I know who Jesus is. Right? Like, that's what happens when situations come in. The, the goal of that trial is to silence hope. For you to stop believing. For you to stop contending for whatever it is that God has for your life. Right? Like, that's the purpose. That's the goal of it. And in verse 5... As I go through, I'm going to read four and five. It says, this has brought us into an incorruptible inheritance. That means nothing can get to it. What God has for you and your inheritance, there is nothing that can corrupt it. There is nothing that can get to it. Right? Just letting us, he's letting us see the, 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 the nature of God. It says, which nothing can stain or diminish. While you were being kept, well, let me, at the moment, it is kept safe for you in the heavens. While you are being kept safe by God's power. Like, think about that. That we, God is keeping us safe by his power. Not by your brains, not because of how smart and talented you are, not because of how, you know, predictive you are. That if I do this and this and you, you know, you got all these all these data points. No, you're not safe because you're safe. You're safe because God is safe. Because God is keeping you safe. Because God is protecting you. That is where I gain my living hope is that I know that when I'm going through something, God, I may go through it, but God is going to keep me safe. He's going to watch over me eternally. But everything is weighed on the scale of the natural. Like, right? It is so hard to segue out of the natural in today, right now, and into the eternal, right? It is so hard to make that scale. And the reality is, is that is the scale. The scale is eternity, not natural. But we oftentimes contend, we, 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 we base God off of what's going on in the natural rather than in the spiritual, like in, in the eternal. Jesus is calling, someone answer your phone. <laughs> okay. He's wanting to let you know, I am trustworthy. So in verse 6, it says this, that is why, that is why you celebrate. This is why we as Christians can celebrate that we have a living hope because he keeps us safe in his hand. He keeps us safe 
in his power. And then it goes on and it says this, yes, it may well be necessary that for a while you may have to suffer trials and tests of all sorts. I just lost all of you because I used the word trial, right? Like, this is what he, he said, that is why you, we, you celebrate. Yes, it may well be necessary. I love that verbiage that he says, it may be necessary for you to go through something. Because you've been convinced that your hope is in him, and this trial is only going to expose it's not. And I want you to know what you're in, so that when you do go down in the boat, that it's like, it's like if, if Jaylee, or if Anaya, I just said, oh, Anaya, you can swim, and she just stays in the boat and I just keep telling her she can swim, she's going to have a hope that she can swim, right? Until the boat goes down, that's going to expose whether she can swim or not. And I feel like a lot of us, that, that's what we're, we're convinced that we can swim, that we can do whatever. And it's like, you aren't convinced until the boat sinks and your body is either floating or sinking, right? Like that is what oftentimes exposes what our hope is in is when we go through these trials, we realize, do I blame God or do I stand and trust God? Do I look for a way outside of God to find it or do I lean into God and trust him in this moment and say, God, I am not going to lean in my own understanding, but I'm going to acknowledge you and trust you in all your ways. And it's in these moments that you know, as things begin to fall apart, oftentimes what we do is we gather a couple of people together and like, let's go around and grab each other's hands and try to hold this together. That's a false hope, right? It's a false sense of hope. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do is cling to a false hope of, of your own abilities and your own strengths. Instead of realizing, okay, wow, I have been having, it's in those trials, it's in those situations that you realize I've been putting my hope in something so so outside of God that it, it can't sustain me. And that, that leads me to the, my, my second point here is that I want you to understand that, that trials, what he's really letting us know is that trials are temporary. Hope can be permanent. Hope has this ability to be permanent. It can be with you no matter what you're going through. What we do is oftentimes we deem trials as permanent. And when we do, when we go through a trial, it becomes this thing that we highly focus and hyper-focus on. Oh my gosh, look what I'm going through. Look what I'm having to deal with. Look where I'm at. Look what I'm in. Oh my gosh. Right? And we hyper-focus on a trial instead of hyper-focusing on the nature of who Jesus is, that he has the capacity to get us out of it. So trials are temporary. That's what we have to know. In hope, I get my hope Knowing that this trial cannot outlast God's hope. It cannot outlast God. It is going to die at some point. It has to give up and be expired. You know, I think that when I think about trials and I think about how when, when these types of things happen and we have suffering trials and we have tests, that oftentimes this is the, the leading component to hopelessness. That when we get the most hopeless is when we go through trials and we go through suffering, it tends to lead us down a road of hopelessness. And I know for many of us, I'm sure, if you've ever been hopeless, it's the worst feeling in the world. It's the worst thing to have to process, to feel like there is no way of escape. And I think of it as like a prison cell. 
Like being thrown in a prison cell that's dark, you can't see doors, you can't see. There is zero ounce of hope. That's what hopelessness seems like. In these moments, it isolates us, it convinces us that that is our eternal destination. Right? Like that's the power of hopelessness. But what's the power of of hope? Hope is, is when we have this capacity to be able to see beyond where we're at into where we're going. And where you're at today is not where you're going to be in five years. That is what you gain your hope in knowing that God is going to take me from one thing to the next. That where you're going to be now is not your eternal, it's not, it's not final. And we can't hang our hat at the place that's temporary pain and temporary trials and temporary suffering. He says, well, this is just what God has for me. This is my life. That's where hopelessness comes in. Is when we try to stay in a place that is temporary and call it permanent. Hope will not let us settle for where we're at. It always calls us forward. Hope always moves us into the next season of our lives. Right, I love this in verse 5. I'm going to back up just for a moment. But here's, you know, we can have hope in other things. But it's only God who can truly keep you safe. It's only in Him that you can truly be safe. It doesn't matter if I'm nestled up with Alicia and I say, you're safe. I have the capacity to not be safe for her anymore. Like, there are moments where if I, like, like I can't save her if she's out by herself. Right? But I told her, Jesus can give her the hope when she's hopeless in the middle of a driving on a trip or whatever it may be. Like, in those moments where she may feel hopeless, God's the only one that can come in and rescue in her and, and speak to her emotions and speak to her feelings and remind her, no, you know who I am. Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I'm capable of doing? It's in those moments that bring us out of hopelessness. And here's, I guess, let me say this. Are you giving room in your life for the voice of God to give you hope? Because oftentimes we fill our lives with so many other things that God doesn't even get a voice in our, in our lives because all of these other things are trying to give us hope right now. They're, you know, and they're just bouncing and sounding things off and saying, this is what you should get hope. This is where you should put your hope. This is where you should put your hope. But when's the last time that we've rested for a moment and settled and said, Jesus, I need my hope to be in you. And allow him to speak into your life and give you hope because all it takes all it takes is one word, one sentence, one, one moment in his presence to, con- to, to convince you and to, to re- I guess, to awaken you to a level of hope that you need. Right? It's like Narcon, or is it, is it Narcon for Narcan? Okay, that's it. You're like, like if you're, if you're, in a dopamine, like if you're drugged out, like that's what they do, right? And when they're drugged out in, in heroin and, and a, a police officer comes in and sticks them with Narcan in that moment, like they are hopeless. I've seen moments where they are like, this guy is dead. Like we're going to give him Narcan and see if it helps. And they stick him and he's like, <laughs> like rises from the dead. He's like, hey, man, I'm fine. I'm like, dude, you were just not even breathing. Like that's what hope is. Hope is Narcan for us. It gives us hope and it revibrates us to be able to see the way that God sees and many of us, we have, we have gotten lured to sleep by things that are outside of the real hope in Jesus. And suffering tends to encourage you to put your hope in something that you can remove the suffering the quickest, right? That's what tends to happen. It's suffering when it happens, like, oh, just put it in this. Just put it in this. Just put it in this. And then what happens is that it happens and it works for a little while. 
And so we become, we, we literally become, we have faith in that thing. And then all of a sudden it stops working. See, I think hope is, hope is the strength that keeps you steady through the storms of life. Have you ever met someone and you like, you've met them and they're, you know they're a believer and like, you, they tell you their story like, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. I'm like, how did you get through that? And they're like, they are so confident in who and how they got through that. It's because they've had hope in them and you're like, that's inspiring. Like how did they got through that storm was because of the hope that steadied them through it. And, and I, I want us to see, understand that trials can be used why, why are trials and suffering so important for us in our lives? Because, right, like, I think we all should know that. We're, we all need to know that. How many of you all are like, I want to know that. I want to know why trials and suffering are so vital to my well-being. I will tell you why. Because they authenticate your hope. Suffering and trials authenticate, they authenticate and they verify your hope. You know, on Instagram, it's like you, you know, you have certain amount when you really get to that place like of stature or whatever and you know you get the verified check like everybody lives for the verified like that's what happens like when you go through trials and you go through things your hope is verified and authenticated in it and maybe God is just simply he's so in love with you that he's wanting to authenticate what your hope is in so that you can put it in the right thing if it's in the wrong thing I think of um, trials and tribulations like TikTok and I was thinking about this, and I was like, I remember a couple years ago, Alicia was like, hey, so I saw this TikTok, actually one of her sisters saw it and showed it to her, and you know, we had Jay, she was like four at the time, she was a Pez freak, she loved Pez, Pez candy, the only one you just open it and, right, and so we saw this, the thing I hate about Pez candy is you got to take every individual one out and put it in, or you can grab the whole thing and try to slide it in, but it's annoying, like they come out and pinch it, whatever, so TikTok shows this hack that this is how you can do Pez candy. And it shows this video, me and Alicia, we went literally and got bought new Pez candy just to see if this would work. I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. This is gonna change our Christmas. And we go and do the TikTok video, guess what? It was a big lie. And it didn't work. And I think so many times we, we, we have, have allowed the TikTok thoughts, like those types of things to try to make our lives easier and really, we find out it was just a hack. It was a big lie. And everybody's just pushing the lie. And all of a sudden, you think that you're going to have hope in something, realizing that it didn't give you the hope you thought it would. And so why sometimes trials are so necessary for our lives is because we need our hope to be authenticated. We need to, to, to recognize my hope has been in my career. My hope has been in my relationships. My hope has been in my finances. My hope has been in my... In, in my marriage, my hope has been in my kids, and it has been in it's it's been in it's been in my friendships. It's been in where I'm going to go in my successes. And when it's in, it's, there's nothing wrong with hope being in those things, but not as a primary thing. There's nothing wrong with you having hope that you go to a certain place in your career. There's nothing wrong with having hope that your finances are. But when you put all of your weight in the boat as that, and it fails. That is authenticating what your hope is in. And we need those things to verify. See, trials, what do they tend to do? They tend to get us focused on the present. Poor, this is where I'm at. Oh my gosh, this is my problem. This is my struggle. Right? 
Have you ever thought about tomorrow when you're in the middle of a trial? No, right? You think about now. So trials and suffering, they, they bring you into a real life. Right now, this is all I've got. This is my future, my present, my everything. Right? Instead of the reality of that trials, they don't have to be about your present. They can also remind you of God's promises. That in you, when you're going through something, you can be reminded that God brought Egypt, he brought Israel out of Egypt. Correct? Like, that's what he did. He brought them out of Egypt. And then he brought them into another season, and he brought them into another season. It is easy to get hyper-focused on, oh my gosh, this is where I'm at. Like, they were all excited, right, as they were moving out of the Egypt, and then they go to the Red Sea, and they're looking back like, God, really? Like, they immediately, they're focused on this instead of the fact that God just brought them out with ten plagues, promised them, showed them, looks is what he's doing. And it's so easy to forget about what, you're, what the promises of God are while you're in the middle of a present situation. But when you think through the lenses of hope, you see things from a promise perspective, not a present perspective. You see it from the fact that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he can defeat anything in my life. And I'm going to hang my hope on that. Right? And here's the thing is that we put an expir expiration date on when God has to come through. You're not God. And I'm not God. We don't get the privilege of putting an expiration date or an expectation date on God. If God gave us a promise, what we have to do is we have to have hope in the season that it will come to pass. That it will come to pass. All right, verse 13 and 14. I'm like, dude, that's been 42 minutes for a long time. <laughs> I'm like, I got 42 minutes left? And y'all are like, you got 42 minutes left? <laughs> All right, so this is it. So fasten your belts. This is what it says. So fasten your belts, the belts of your minds. Keep yourselves under control. Set your hope completely on the grace that will be given you when Jesus the Messiah is revealed. So powerful. So fasten your belts, the belts of your mind. So I want to hit on that for just a moment, but let me, let me give you this third, third thought that, that I'm thinking about processing. This is this, is that the more firm your hope, what? What was so funny? Well, it is a thought. I mean, it's not a fact. So <laughs> it's my perspective of tearing down the Bible. The, the more firm your hope, right? The more firm. This is what I feel like as he's sharing this, this is what I'm taking away from this. That the more firm your hope, the stronger your faith. Amen. That the more firm your faith is on Jesus, the stronger your faith becomes. Right? And so if we can get your hope strong, we can get your faith strong. But your faith will never rise above the hope that you have in Jesus. And this is why he uses this terminology, strap, he gets, take the seatbelt, the cell beat, self, self beat, cell, seatbelt of your mind. Man, I don't know what was happening there. I'm seat self, I don't know. Seat belt. Just read the scripture, I would have done way better doing that. The, so it says take the belt of your mind. Why? Because I believe that behind hope, before we actually really ever step into a level of hope that we, that we have the capacity to do, we have to actually step out of the lie. 
right? Behind every opportunity of stepping into hope is a lie waiting for you to have to go around and believe it. This is why he says, buckle the mind. Buckle your mind because if you want hope, you're going to have to be able to go through the lie that's going to come first. That God isn't faithful. He's not trustworthy. He will leave you in the middle of, a, of an ocean. He will leave you by yourself. He will, he will leave you. And you have to be able to get through that stage and that season of your life to be able to get the hope that he wants you to get so that you can get the faith that you need for the next. How many of you know we never enter one season without faith in the next one? Right? You're never, I mean, you have faith when you put on a jacket and you go out into cold weather, you have faith that it's going to be cold out. It's the same thing is that when we have hope, hope gives us this capacity to gain another level of faith so that we can believe God for where we're going. And then that requires more hope. See, what we place our hope in starts with where our minds go. When a situation or a trial happens in your life, where does your mind go? Oh my gosh, here we go again. I'm gonna have to deal with this. This is my trial, this is my, this is my issue, right? How many of you rarely, when things go bad, your mind goes to the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the power of God, the, the reality that God is real, right? Like, that's, the, that's what we have to wrestle with, is that where our minds go is oftentimes where our hope is. And I want you to be able to wrestle with, I mean, not necessarily wrestle, but I want you to be able to go into this with when these lies happen, you can conquer them. Because of you knowing who the nature and the character of who Jesus is in you. Look, if, if there is anything that can affect your hope, it will be the lies that land in your head. A hundred percent. Think of the hope that you don't have is it is directly tied to a lie that you are believing. Right now, there are reasons why you don't have hope and it is directly connected to a lie that the enemy has convinced you that is counter the character of God. Right? You think of the Israelites and they went through the, they went from they went from Egypt, they went through the Red Sea, they went and they traveled into the wilderness and God is giving them manna and now they're complaining and they say they want to go back to becoming slaves. Right? Think about the theology that's going on in their minds. That is a lie that, that the enemy is trying to place in them that they would be better off as slaves than free and hungry or eating the same thing. And in that moment, they're whining and saying, I want to go back. They have lost hope in the promise that God had given them. And I think that many of you this morning, based on situations and circumstances and trials that you have gone through, you have lost hope in the nature and the character of God. And you have said, you know what? I just want to go back to Egypt. It would be better. At least I can have a predictable meal and I can have shelter. The problem is, is God doesn't want you in Egypt. He wants you in the promised land. And hope will ultimately be held up by the lies that you and I believe in our minds and in our hearts to be able to strip us from the level of faith that God is wanting to call us into. Right? And here's my challenge for all of us is that what lies are trying to strip you from the hope that God is wanting to give you? That you are murmuring and complaining that the fact that God is not going to take care of you and the reality is, is that God is sustaining you. He's giving you everything you need. And I think it's funny that Jesus is like, you know, these guys are like, we want meat. 
He's like, I'll give you meat. And he sends 50,000 million quails into their camp and their village and they're walking through like <laughs> scooting quail around everywhere. He's like, this is the power. If you will believe me and stop believing a lie, I can provide for you. And I believe that many of us are missing out on the potential of what God has for us simply because we bought into a lie that, that this is how God is. Look, if you want to gain a level of hope, you're going to have to get into scriptures and allow the scriptures to define the nature of God. You will always fall short of having a real hope if it's outside of him. You can stand as I close. Why are lies so powerful? Because they create doubt. Right? Lies. Because behind every lie is an ounce of truth. Behind every lie that the enemy gives us, there's a possibility and the potential to create enough to create doubt. And if you can have doubt, you exchange the hope that you have the capacity to be able to have in God for this. And some of us have settled for the lies. We've become hopeless at a different level, maybe. But we've lost hope in certain things. That's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. He wants you to lose hope. And this is why I love this passage. He says, put on the seatbelt, the belt over your mind. Because if, if the enemy cannot convince you of a lie, then God can convince you of what you can believe in him. That there is a potential on the inside of every one of you to be able to do what God is calling you to do. And if you lose, if you lose hope, you miss out on it. If you gain hope, you have every ounce of potential to be able to meet it, to accomplish it. This is why I think we have to become studiers of hope. People fully convinced of the nature and the character of God. My trials and my suffering do not define God. But we have bought into the reality that that is what, whatever happens, because God is so big and God is so almighty that he can control and manipulate. But also those things are there because we have, we have a real enemy. We forget that. That as much as we have a real God, we have a real enemy. And I'm not going to give any ounce of hope to the enemy. I'm not going to buy into the lies that he wants me to buy into. I want you to leave this place knowing, okay, God can increase my hope. And if he increases my hope, he increases my faith. What are some things that God's asking you to believe him for? What are some things that God is asking of you that he wants to take you out from here into there? Because think about it. There's lies that are coming against that trying to discourage you to have hope in it at all. And so I want to pray over every one of you today. Not every one of you is in like that, but an overall corporate prayer, okay? That God would, in this moment, expose one of all, first of all, the lies. The lies that you have bought into that that, you know what, he doesn't love me, I've messed up, I've gone too far. The lies that I don't have any future. The lies of, you know what, I don't know, I've, I, I, that, that you've maybe bought into something that's a counterfeit. 
that God would expose to you and verify and authenticate your hope so that you can get to a level of faith that you need. Here's another thing, just the reality of if you live a life of hope, imagine how many people you can impact because hope is a rare commodity in today's society. Imagine if we could live from an eternal perspective of hope how much more here's the cool thing is if i can if i have hope i can give you hope the bible says this in in corinthians it says these three things will last forever faith hope and love hope is an ingredient that will never go away so father i lift up every person in this room and father i pray for new levels of hope god i pray right now that you would expose the lies Father, that you, even if somebody is going through trials and suffering in this moment, God, I pray right now that you would help them identify the lies. And Father, I pray that you would help them authenticate their faith in you. That, Father, that they would find a place to be able to rest in you and find a new level of hope that would get them through the season that they're in. God, because you defeated death, hell, and the grave. Our hope is solely in the reality, God, that you defeated death, hell, and the grave. So, Father, we thank you this morning, God, for hope resonating in every heart, hope filling your people this morning. And, God, I thank you that as that happens, God, that you would allow them to live their lives God, that it would be translated from their life into others, God, this week and this year. God, help us be hope people. We love you. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are, what you're doing in our lives. God, fill us with hope. Let us be reminded of the power of the cross. This morning, if you don't know who Jesus is and you want to give your life and your heart to him this morning, you realize that you are void of having him in your life. And this morning, you realize that that you need him and you're desperate for salvation. We're grateful that you're here. We want to help you find him. We want to have, have you introduced to the Father, to the Lord this morning. Maybe you've prayed this prayer and for years you've served Jesus, but... You've, you've lost hope. You've walked away. You've put your hope in a lot of other things. And this morning, you're recognizing that. And this morning, you say, that's me. I want to put my hope back in Jesus. I want to give my life and recommit him, recommit myself to him. If that's you, we want to pray for you. So if those, either one of those, you can relate to those. I want to ask you just to slip your hand up and you can set it back down in a moment. I just want to know who you are so I can be praying for you. I want to give my life to Jesus or I want to recommit my life and my heart to Jesus this morning. You can slip your hand up real quick if that's you. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.